damn it. Where's Ashley? We're supposed to record today. I'm going to give her a call. Hi, you've reached the voicemail of Let the Fright One In's podcast host, Ashley Delamartis. Ashley, we're supposed to record today. Where are you? Come on, pick up the phone, Ashley. Uh-oh, you've entered the wrong code. This has activated our trap card. You have been sent to Audition Hell. Audition Hell. Goodbye. Hell. Goodbye. Alrighty, everybody. How's everyone doing? I'm Ashley De Los Muertos. This is Edgar Gorgonzola Motorola <laughs> Fififo Mola. How's it hanging? Good, Ashley. Good. <laughs> uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Excited to record today. Yeah, it's been a minute. For all of our for all of our four fans out there, we apologize for um, uh, the lack. But we've been busy. Uh, we've been a little bit all over the place. Ashley has done has been hired and fired from several jobs um, since our last episode. It's not fire if I quit. <laughs> um, it's not fired if you say you're fired. You know what? I quit. <laughs> you know what? I I've actually never been fired from a job. Thank God. The only time I got fired was a passive aggressive we'll call you with the schedule. <laughs> and that was never called oh. with the schedule again. <laughs> and it was it was very upsetting because it was actually like one of the jobs I've always wanted. I always wanted to work at a video store and, and I had mm-hmm. totally got it. My friend had like hooked it up with the video store. I was working at one place during the morning and I was working there at night. So I would like close up shop at 5 PM and I would run over to the video store and I would just like rent out movies. So movies to people. And it was like one of these independent little shops in one of the, the upscale old parts of our town. And Mm -hmm. they specialized in foreign movies. So like I maybe didn't watch as many foreign movies back then. So I could only like recommend like the, the few that I knew uh, and the ones that people would tell me about, but I was really bad at getting people to pay their fines. So I was kind of let go. What would you do? Would they just like come and you'd be like, no, nah, man, it's fine. It was a lot of rent three, get the fourth one free deals mm-hmm. that we would do. And they had a very good home, like a very good like neighborhood vibe. So a lot of people would walk over and they would, you know, do the deals and anytime I would look them up, it'd be like, oh, it says you owe this. And I would just let them slide all the time. My friend who would hook me up with a job, he was notorious. And he would be like, nah, man, we can't let you. It's basically all I had to do. I was just too nice to everybody. And um. yeah, yeah, yeah. That and I didn't. All right. So the thing is, like, there would be nobody. I was there by myself the entire time. Yeah. So I would, I would have to sit there. And I would I would have to sit there by myself, and if I needed to go to the bathroom, I'd have to lock the door and then come back. And I was I would eat lunch there by myself, and I was given like oh, no back. 
<laughs> so like if I so they gave me a rule that if I wanted to rent any movies that they somebody would have to rent out the movies for me. So what's the point of working at a video store if you can't take any of the movies home? I didn't say yeah. I would steal the movies, but I would just like take the movies home with me and I would return them the next day, hopefully like hoping like they wouldn't find out. Maybe they might have found out, but I didn't steal any of them. I returned all of them. Might maybe I got caught. They didn't say it because you know maybe they weren't actually missing any inventory. Uh, yeah but i would just ask not to come back i mean it is what it is i feel like working at a like video store like there aren't any that exist anymore obviously like the closest is like Redbox, because there's no blockbusters anymore but there is skates comic book (laughs) show (laughs) okay and i know that like they have videos and stuff like that i think honestly the last relic of the close or the closest thing we have to like a video store besides like the video sections of like target and best buy and walmart that like nobody wants to buy and they're usually only like a couple of dollars because it is literally a forgotten relic of our time now the so like what they ran out i mean i'm assuming they would run out a lot of anime is that what they run out yeah it'd be like anime stuff yeah yeah stuff you can't find in the states that's that's what you used to. Yeah. Oh man, that was the heyday. Yeah, I I was just upset because I'm 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 relatively good at most of my jobs. So mm-hmm. the fact that I was let go out of a job where I had to do nothing but sit there, uh, yeah, it kind of still brings me down a little bit. Especially when your current job immobilizes you. Oh man, yeah, yeah, yeah. Another news. Yeah, I'm um, I'm home on work leave. <laughs> I got in, I got in a work accident. And that kind of sucks. So I'm trying not to get fat while I sit here. Uh, my Actually, how long have you been on work leave? It's going to be plus 20 days now. Oof. Have you been using AR for all of it? Because I know you get like, once you cap at 20, they fire you immediately. No, no, no. So like it, it is officially on work leave. So like they okay. can't fire me. I get... Because it was a work accident and it was not my fault, somebody hit me with a... I was in front of my pallet jack. Essentially, I work in sort of in a warehouse at Doji's Garage Market and Haberdashery. And somebody hit me with... Or somebody clipped my pallet jack, pinning my leg, basically crushing my leg against the pallet jack and the wall or or the, the cardboard recycling machine we call a baler. And there was two people pushing it, so there was extra force. And they didn't see that they were hitting me, so, like, they kept coming. And, yeah, yeah, I, like, immediately thought my leg was broken. Um, But, no, I just hurt a whole lot. And it's been hurting ever since. So we're talking about plus 20 days, my leg still hurts. Not as bad as before, but the pain is very consistent. And I don't have any breaks or fractures, but we'll find out on Tuesday. And that's the update on Edgar's leg. Damn. It'd be like that sometimes. Did they, did the person that clipped your leg even apologize? So it was a manager and a manager in training. <laughs> so, yeah. so the manager felt awful because they had just been promoted to being a manager. And I felt bad for mm-hmm. them, uh, which is fine. I mean, like it wasn't their fault. Well, this is funny, though, because like the, where this accident happened was almost the exact same place where I saw another accident happen with a manager and another coworker. Uh, we have mm-hmm. this, we have uh, an elderly, well, not an elderly person, but just an older person. Um, and the manager who I've worked with personally, let's just call him 
Darmondo. And <laughs> and he had oh. clipped her leg with the same with a pallet jack. And I don't know if it was the same pallet, mm-hmm. but basically like and her hands were full. And she face planted on the floor. And I'm like, dude, what is it with that area? And mind you, where my accident, there was people running around. Everybody was trying to work as fast as possible. So hence an accident mm-hmm. happened. I was trying to work as fast as possible because, you know, whatever. That's what we were just told to do and yada, yada, yada. But this one, there was nobody around. It was me, her, and him. I think I'm walking by them. The place is empty. And he literally just... Cl- it's basically like he tripped her foot with a pallet jack, and mm-hmm. and since she had her hand full, oh man, it was it was a bad fall. And then when you're older like that, like you don't recover from shit so easily. But almost the exact same place, which is that was weird. Guys, we're gonna be talking about the movie Audition by Takashi Miike. Takashi Miike. Now we've talked about our it. second Miike. <laughs> Takashi Mike. So we might have, depending on when you're listening to this, you might have heard us talk about this before. Homie Takashi Miike is a legend. He's made something close to like a hundred plus movies. By the time he had made Audition in 1999, he had already made 37 movies. That is to show you the kind of monster that make it and he'd only been doing that in the nine-year career he had at that time i love this movie this movie is incredible it if you'd like stop the episode right now go find a way to watch it i watched it on shutter it unfortunately is no longer on shutter but if there is a way to watch the movie audition right this second go 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 pause and go and then come back and dm oh you can watch it on tubi and it's for free so there you go watch it on tubi for free and come back and listen to the rest of the episode with us all right Okay, okay. Thanks for coming back. A widower takes an offer to screen girls at a special audition, arranged for him by a friend to find him a new wife. The one he fancies is not who she appears to be at all. All right, and this movie is rated R for sex and nudity, folks. There is a few scenes of crazy ultraviolence and gore, which was Takashi Mika's best known for. Severe torture, extremely disturbing images, uh, including bodily fluids. So if you guys have trigger warnings for gore, torture, and child abuse, and mental abuse, please, please think before you watch this movie. So, you know, 
Uh, we want you to enjoy this. It is brutal. Yeah, oh, buddy. All right, so this is... I can't remember the last time that I have seen something that I felt was elevated the game of horror. I've heard about this movie for ages, and I think like I knew I had to like give it its proper due. I knew I had to like put everything away, sit down and watch it. Usually I'm not. Usually I'm constantly doing things. But yeah, this one this one deserved all the respect and it it paid me back for sure. I definitely think this isn't a movie that you can casually watch. Like there are a lot of movies that you can like, I don't know, play on your phone, maybe do homework and still understand the general gist of what's going on. Not this one. <laughs> you need to be fully immersed, turning turned off all the lights, popcorn in hand, just you in the screen. 100%. 100%. Which, so, in a interview with uh, Takashi Mika, he wanted the movie to seem realistic. Uh, so there was, so that's why the movie has a slow burn. The movie wanted to give you a feel of kind of like a slice of life before it kind of mm-hmm. goes off the rails. And it is very much like that. Um and i agree because like it's a very it almost feels like you're watching a regular movie or even like regular to thriller because it does have like oh but there's a there was a there's weird stuff that's happening it's like the shell of a slice of life that peels into something crazier and crazier and with every layer something more and more insane is revealed and I can't remember what the first thing is that is it it might be the phone call and her sitting by the phone um yes I think that's definitely when you start to realize oh this this is why this is a horror movie because it's unsettling like so essentially as we said before like the movie is about uh Aoyama who is a widower he lost his wife and in the beginning of the movie you'll see him losing his wife and his poor son is uh trying to show her like whatever like project he tried to do for school and she's passed away mm-hmm. and it flashed flashes forward to present day and his son's a little older and his dad's a, a little lonely and in his loneliness he tries to seek some female comfort but abuses his power by making this mock audition with his film producer friend to find a beautiful woman who thinks that she's auditioning for a part in a, uh, it's either a movie or a TV show that doesn't actually exist. And the movie's called, was it Tomorrow's Heroine or something like that? Yes, something like that. So, which, subtext for what's going to (laughs) happen. And and depending on your perspective on this movie, it's like, hey, maybe. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, like, from the beginning, like, you know who he's going to choose because he's already decided. He decided before the audition even happens that he wants a zombie. Like, he he read her little, like, audition, like, paper that she was a ballerina. Oh, her yeah, her essay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her essay. That she was a ballerina that got injured and felt that she had experienced the death of her own life. And him having experienced the death of his own wife felt that, 
like an attachment and a connection to her i guess you'd say brokenness and was immediately attracted and enchanted by her and you know they go through the whole audition and he's the one that she that he picks and she is waiting for him on this phone call and you see her she's hunched in an unnatural fashion like an animal almost like waiting for him to call and her hair is like in front of her face she's like you can see like every notch on her spine like it's so unsettling and it's like the first time that anything kind of really really abnormal and off is presented to you that 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 scene where she's hunched over waiting by the phone it it almost seems supernatural yes it's, it's like inhuman oh, how she's like, positioned like she's she's a predator waiting for her prey to like enter her mouth like that was all there are so many things that could be said about that scene or those scenes in particular where she's just waiting by the phone and like i said before i've made so many jokes about hey like just give me a call just be waiting by the phone until you call like this is literally how it is and it is and then i don't i don't know if it happens in the first uh phone scene where the mm-hmm. bag moves in the background it's, it's definitely the second, the second one. one. Oh, and yeah. that adds a whole because like you said it just escalates from there um, because yes everything is like a layer and layers always being revealed and, and what's also interesting is that Yoshikawa the producer the I'm sorry yeah the producer is telling him like hey buddy like are you sure you want to like deal with her like the guy that she referenced on her on her resume like as like her modeling like the person he models or like works with directly like he's been missing for like a year and a half now like no one's heard from him in forever and you'll as the story progresses it, you find out the more he she tells about him and the more she, he finds out about her the less he knows her and the more like unhinged and deranged the situation becomes that goes with any like any relationship you have with any manipulator or liar, the more you dig, the more you start to unravel, you know, uh, all the lies and all the B- BS that comes with it, right? Like, he's like, oh, yeah, I know this person. Well, I just looked at this person. This person isn't really around. It's just like, oh, well, I work here. I was like, well, I went there, and that place has been closed for a while. <laughs> Not only had it been closed, but there was a murder. Yeah, there was a mur- <laughs> There's a light murdering happening here. But um, what I think is super crazy is that they go on, like, a couple of dates. Like, and she, what's what I think is really interesting is you never see her face. Like, you'll see, like, a sliver of her face. Or she'll be looking down, and she'll look up briefly, and then it'll show the back of her head. It's, like, it's always looking at the back of her head. Or looking at her like away from her and to him because at the end of the day it really is all about him 100 there was it's and i wrote in my notes going back to the essay she wrote mm-hmm. and him basically just like enamored with the words that she had written and i'm like dude so emo you're such an <laughs> emo little boy oyama 
that you're gonna like fall like you might as she might as well just would have been a singer in emo band be like man these lyrics stick sorry that's those I had to say that before moving. It struck a chord with you, didn't it? <laughs> like, like you're so sad. You fell in love with a MySpace girl who wrote sad things on her <laughs> on her wall. Oh, thank you for keeping, <laughs> thank you for keeping the puns relevant to my age. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Oh. You know, I got a creeper real. So going back to the way her head is placed, basically, it could have been, at that point, it could have been any girl that was sitting there, essentially. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. It didn't matter if it was Asami or not, because he's not even paying attention to her. He's just, he wants this thing that he can just talk to and, and sleep with. <laughs> he wants the idea of a woman, especially because she has, like, very average length hair for Japan. She has start, you know, black hair. She's just like a frail, dainty girl. She doesn't stand out a lot. Even though she is beautiful, she like, you're not immediately going to pick her out of a crowd. You know what I mean? She was also like the patriarchal expectation of what they want as as far as like a yes yeah, submissive tiny exactly. dainty doesn't take any room like just shivers in the corner like a frail a frail little leaf literally doesn't take it like you see her literally kind of hunched and making herself small which she is actually as small as she can pretty tall she's what you gotta be like five seven five eight so that is, I mean, it's also, you know, done with cameras, but it's pretty impressive, yeah. um, especially when we get to when, you know, she switches characters. But before we get there, all right, so let's continue. So Oyama's kind of discovering things about her. She, so she, after several dates, like agrees to like go to a hotel with him and they're like basically going on vacation, which like is insane to me personally i would never go on vacation with someone that i've only met like a handful of times but i digress <laughs> once up there at the hotel asami tells ayama that she was like abused as a child and she shows him like the burns uh like the burn scars on her body and she's like hey you will only love me right like only me like nobody else like just me and oyama's like yeah yeah of course i got you and then it implies <laughs> yeah baby girl yeah baby yeah baby I'm, I'm only gonna love you baby you know it's you know it's only me and you you know whatever your name is yeah uh, you know you're only like 24 and i'm like 45 so whatever you say baby girl <laughs> baby girl you're only like seven years older than my son but you're it's gonna all be cool a nah. you're gonna be a step and i'm thinking of proposing to you which is batshit crazy oh which batshit crazy i mean that also uh giving oyama the benefit of the doubt that happens to i feel like people that haven't dated for a while they meet somebody out of the blue they fall head over heels because they've been so lovelorn for so long and they like give everything to a random person that's probably not the best for them but yeah that's a side note that's more like a comment on dating culture and from there oyama wakes up to a, a telephone call from the front desk being like hey don't you know your girlfriend left and what do you mean she left oh but I just, I just banged it out. We just, but you mean we had, we made beautiful love for the first time and she disappeared? And literally, he cannot find her. He can't call her. 
he like there's no information about her to go on because he's starting to realize oh my god I actually don't know anything about this woman that I not only proposed to and she said yes people after going on like two dates uh red flag I'm sorry did <laughs> well three dates I think I think it's three days three dates and the, the trip was the third date but you you maybe it's implied that they went on more dates but probably not uh probably not because she was literally hunched over her her phone like a skick i don't know fucking succubus <laughs> like succubus is too kind it was too it was so creepy like a deep sea creature it was unworldly was it not otherworldly un- otherworldly thank you yeah it was it looked supernatural which one of the best scenes like i said all right yes. continue and so he's like oh shit I don't know anything about her. I can't reach her phone. I don't know where she lives. So he goes and he looks at her resume and like finds like a little keyword of like, okay, shit. So she used to uh, go to this ballet studio. And so he visits the, the ballet studio where Asami trained for like 12 years. And he finds that the studio is extremely abandoned except for one old man in a wheelchair with like fake feet. Gross looking fake feet. And this man so gross they look so weird and uncomfortable like everything that this movie shows you is so weird and uncomfortable it's great and they like have a little like interaction with each other and it's so gross i hate it so this like you find out is her like stepdad and he talks about her in the most disgusting and dehumanizing way if any person talked about me the way that this man did i'd literally vomit like do you remember how he was like have you heard her voice have you smelled her and it's like god like get it oh yeah it is it is all the makings of a pedophile yes literally horrifying and he's the one that burns osami's legs as you had found out earlier in the scene that uh she had those burns he's the one who inflicted them and he like proves it by showing you like the little like they literally look like incense sticks i don't know how other way to describe them but they're like molten it, it looks sticks. like a tuning fork uh, but so like i guess he would I heat guess. up the tooting fork over a candle or or like maybe a pair of chopsticks and and yeah yeah they were and thin. he would burn her thigh so you'd have these she'd have these long burns across her thigh um but as do oh, and he would do that as what to train her to get better at ballet if i remember correctly it was uh to like punish her which positive reinforcement goes a long, a long way get farther with sugar than you know vinegar absolutely but from there he's like okay let's find uh she said that she worked at this like one place that he like he remembered like okay like three times a week she like goes and works for her friend right so she goes to the bar and they find out that it's been closed for a year because the woman who was in charge which she had said was her friend but is actually the wife of the record producer that was mentioned in the beginning that she said that she like worked directly with was that's his wife who owned the place that they were both missing but they found her dismembered they had said that when they found the bodies they found that uh her body had three extra fingers an extra ear and an extra tongue boom and it has this really cool weird freaky like where he's trying to imagine it and he just like sees like the flapping extra tongue disgusting horrible (laughs) so good if you were trying to like analyze that crime scene and you found extra body parts 
you'd be like WTF. What the fuck is going on? Um, so you yeah. can only assume like an extrapolate that she killed both of them and that the extra fingers and ear and tongue were her, the record producer slash the owner of the bar's husband. And this is the part of the movie where you kind of feel like things start to, it just it escalates a little bit more. We just revealed like another, we get through another layer of the yes. creepiness. This is he, when you're like, shit's going down. Yeah, his his visceral reaction to his imagination is great. His reaction to the little floppy scene, he like, he yeah, it is. It's so memorable. Like this, and it's like very, every, every scene of this movie is very artistically done. It makes it really ple- like pleasant and unpleasant to watch. It's fantastic. It, it almost goes like a little giallo mm-hmm. for, for a moment because the, the lights, like the lights of the, of the club or mm-hmm. were neon. And he, I think if I remember correctly, like it looks like he's kind of flashing that too, or it happens so fast that you just kind of it kind of makes us anonymous. And Giallo has those really intense kind of like neon lights that that play up mood. And this is like I said, this is us ramping up. This is like oh, like you've sat through was it forty five minutes of this movie, maybe longer. <laughs> like now we're getting to it for sure. I think that like. The next part, when he, like, after he's, like, had this imagination, he's, like, oh, my God, my thoughts of what she is like is so, is, like, starting to change completely. It's always really cool because, it like, from this point, like, you think, like, as an audience member, like, oh, my God, she's a murderer. Like, how much crazier can it get? And, folks, let me tell you, it only gets worse. (laughs) The crazy, the crazy has only just begun, which is, like, insane. Usually, this is a critical point in movies. It only, it only crits further. So what is it? He 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 goes back home, right? Yes. Uh, but Asami has already been there. Asami's going around. Uh, she finds a photo of his ex-wife. His, well, ex- dead wife, because uh, you know what I mean. Hmm. His photo of his previous wife, and she slips something into his like scotch decanter Mm -hmm. but you don't know what it is it's never really described it's only like implied but you know she did something because when oyama comes home he faints after drinking whatever the fuck is in there and it starts inter like cutting parts of like asami's past as well as her present where it looks like he's remembering scenes from their date that you've already seen previously in the movie but now they're different and she's saying different things like she's giving like weird context so you're like trying to figure out like was this what she was saying all along and he had romanticized her so much during those initial dates that he ignored it or is he going through so much craziness right now he's trying to rationalize and trying to read between the lines of everything she said during those dates and trying to extrapolate this like new meaning from what she had said so good so oh my god because when you're in love, all red flags just look like flags, right? The, when you have rose-tinted glasses, red flags just look like flags. They yeah. all look like rose. They all look like red flags. <laughs> the uh, so, and but the only thing about the, this dream sequence, or basically like this kind of like I guess drug-induced trip, is that you do start to reveal a lot of truths about Asami. Assaults. The, the yes. neglect. 
the sexual assault that she happened as, as a little girl, the the dude that she has, or that's just maybe Oyama's subconscious putting it all together, like in visceral detail, right? So, because he also is, he's also kind of like dealing with his own demons, which like you find Oyama isn't a bad dude, but he's not a great dude. Yeah. Like you might have realized like, oh, maybe that he might have had some sexual relations with some people around his, you know, his, like, I guess his, his job, his job. Um, um, I kind of had the feeling that maybe he was also sleeping with the maid or he had slept with the maid at one point. Um, because I think there's that like little glimpse of her on the steps. Uh, there's like a it's such a weird scene uh, where he I think okay I think and this is gonna be offensive and I'm sorry in advance. <laughs> I think men are naturally inclined to, to perceive women very sexually, even if they are not at all attracted to them i they he shows that uh his like secretary which already previously in the movie i'm so sorry we haven't mentioned her because her interaction was literally so tiny (laughs) it's like not even super worth mentioning but it shows her and you know for certain that they've slept together because she's in this moment in like this dream sequence but also because she was trying to tell him like oh i'm getting married and he's like oh that's great to who and she's like oh someone you don't know and that's kind of like the way that you'd talk to a crush that you're trying to get over and like also try to make a little jealous so just Mm -hmm. like through that you're like okay they definitely slept together like very briefly yeah but it also shows the uh housekeeper as well as like at some point in the movie you see his son going on a date with this young girl and i think it's more so less to do with like him having sex with these people and more so like him perceiving women sexually and wanting them even if he's not attracted to them and even if it's morally wrong just for the sake of sexuality you know i feel like i've been told a million times like every man you've ever met has pictured you naked whether he finds you attractive or not he has you know so it's less even that he genuinely like i don't know the housekeeper's kind of old so that's why i'm like and he's go keeps going for these younger girls so that's why i don't believe he slept with her oh uh, i could buy that well i just started believing like oh well if he slept with this I mean, it's not a secretary, but essentially like somebody, a subordinate, then why wouldn't he sleep with the, I mean, I guess the, nothing alludes to that other than, then other that, than one that, scene. that one scene, because the, let's just call it a secretary does come up to him twice in the movie. She comes up to him at the beginning of the movie, be like, Hey, I'm, I'm getting, I didn't remember I'm I have off this weekend because I'm, we're, we're getting, we're, we got engaged, yada, yada, yada. And then like later in the movie, like, Hey, don't you remember? I'm leaving because we got married and yada, yada, yada. Like, aren't you jealous? You motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> um, and his complete disregard for her being somebody that he, he was sexually intimate with to just mm-hmm. be like, and then somebody you work with to just like completely disregard her and just be like, Ugh. Uh, yeah, it's kind of a dick move. It is a dick move, and also like you know he doesn't have sex with the little girl is also why, but like yeah, he's just like thinks about it, and that's why it, I think it also goes with the narrative of like he's gonna want someone who's younger, easier to manipulate, easier to obtain, because like that is the the thing, and like a big message in this kind of movie that men 
have a certain level of authority and a certain level of power naturally, just the, by the way that society is built. So he used his authority to be able to get Asami in the first place by making this fake audition. And she is that quintessential weak, feeble girl that turns around in the end because you know what women that perfect little meek little woman doesn't exist hey because no it is a fabrication yes it's a fabrication to uh lift men's egos you know like women are so much more complex than that and i think that's what makes this movie so fucking badass is it's not like the regular revenge story it's like she's you truly feel like she is getting revenge for every single woman who's ever been manipulated by a man which i want to get into that but uh let's finish out the story first yes yes so he's in his drug-induced state Mm -hmm. he's having these flashbacks his subconscious is putting things together you you see like one of the most horrific scenes where he kind of figures out what happened to the record producer he's you you reference the sack from one of the phone call scenes earlier Mm -hmm. and then the guy comes out he's missing his feet his his tongue one ear and three fingers on one hand so he has just he has one long middle finger coming out of that hand all Mm -hmm. creepy like he rolls out and then asami is in the background up chucking into a dog bowl and feeds it to him like a baby bird and he's so hungry he just starts lapping it up yes and all right got you like takashi's mika is known for for ultra gore ultra violence and at this point he's giving you nothing but right now you're getting all of it at once and oof that's that is something that I didn't expect. I'm not grossed out about a lot of things, but that kind of grossed me out. It because it's so unsettling. Because he, the character, is eating it like it's like it's not what it is. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I'm just gonna, yeah, I'm just gonna have some gut reactions real quick. <laughs> like I watched this movie with Nico, and when that scene scene came on. And he was like, oh, man, that's, like, disgusting. And I was like, yeah, you want to know a fun fact? And he's like, please don't tell me it's real. And I was, like, smiling from ear to ear. And I was like, it's real. Is it real? It's real. She actually vomited for that scene. Shut and up. He, I, yes, I, that's her real vomit. In, in all my research, I've not seen that. All right, hold on a second. It's in uh, my fun fact corner that you didn't read. No, no, I haven't. I forgot you had notes for this. I was just making a lot of my notes because it's been it's been a while, and I forgot you had notes for this. I apologize. Okay, because you're on the uh, wrong slide. Hey, the that just seems like a like a saying you could say. That just seems like something you could say in passing. Just because you're on the wrong slide, dog. Okay, so then he flashes back. I believe that's the end of the dream sequence. He flashes back, right? Yeah, because uh, in. Because after this, uh, Sami returns to Ayama. Like, he is, like, paralyzed in the room. And she proceeds to paralyze and kill his dog, which is very sad because it's my least favorite part of the movie. Because, like, all dogs are great. And it's really sucky because, like, even though it's, like, obviously very fake little dog, very sad. Either way. The dog's name is Gang, which is pretty tight. (laughs) 
Yeah, such a cutie. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have anything else to add about the dog except for like, I don't know, close your eyes. But she then goes and injects him with more of like whatever this magical like paralyzing agent is. Because she says it's like, it'll paralyze you, but it also like keeps you like super duper like your nerves alert. So when I torture you, it's going to hurt so bad and you can't do anything about it. I was trying to do like a soft voice and then I like couldn't do it. So I'm sorry about that. And at the, I just want to add to that. At this point, Asami has done a complete 180 mm-hmm. as far as character. Like you see her come out of her show and be like, bitch, I was hiding the entire time. Did you know I'm a psychopath? He's <laughs> like, bitch, you know I'm a serial killer? Also, her fit goes so hard in this scene. She wears like the like white shirt, which like white is always like purity and elegance and like for the majority of the movie she's like wearing white and like very like soft like conservative outfits there's like one where she gets a little more daring she wears like a fluffy coat and then this is when she's like full-on daring and she's like covering up her in like what was her innocent act with this black like vinyl apron that's like for murder and she's wearing like her vinyl gloves and it's like ah she's putting on who she really is and she tortures him with needles in his abdomen like all over his stomach and under his eyes like the space between your eyeball and your like ah cheekbone like that little huequito (laughs) that little hole right there and putting it under his eyes and she's torturing him and she's telling him that he's just like everyone else that she's like not gonna only love her that he wasn't actually committed just like everybody else and that how he has so many other people in his life and she has nobody and he she only ever had him and how he lied to her because he loves his son and not just her which is insane mm-hmm. and she's yeah. like this is unacceptable and that he that she will never be completely his and so she's torturing him in the most brutal like intense way you could ever think of with like all of these needles kitty 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 and she's like twisting it too it's never just like a jab it's like twisting it slowly and deeper into his skin she's like get it, get it, get it, get it. oh not to mention that she she's using these ac- acupuncture needles and it looks like she knows how to use them oh so she, so she expert. cleans all of them so, so so she's just like oh yeah yeah we're gonna torch you but we're gonna make it hygienic yeah she's very sterile and and then when she's like layered him he looks like a pin cushion and then she's messing with him and then she straddles him and then she just like casually just like lay like just moves around on his chest with all these needles on him and you're just like oh oh and going back to the the vinyl apron which became very synonymous with torture porn after this mm. like that that leather apron's probably been in every hostile movie and every movie that had like involves like some sort of maniacal butcher torturing people or whatever but yeah we digress yes i also really like the quote like when she's like entering the next scene where she's like words cause lies pain can be trusted and then she cuts off his left foot with a wire saw like a bad boom and she's like sawing it like because obviously this is not an easy feat so she's just like sawing it from left and right and then Ayama's son returns home because 
he was like hanging out with a friend and then like his friend got sick so he came back and he's like trying to say that to him like as he's like taking his shoes off he's like oh hey dad like I'm back from like my friend's house like he got sick and now I'm home now and she hides and is like trying to get like little things to attack him like she has like this it looks like pepper spray yeah but it also could have been like maybe like knockout spray or something it's like all the things that she uses is like these imaginary things that don't exist in real life that like it's like we can call it sure knockout spray and so he sees that his dad's on the floor like with his literal foot cut off and he's surprised by asami trying to like get him to like also pass out but in between all of this they're like hmm let's put a dream sequence oh that's right and they and we cut back to the the hotel and ayama has a dream okay Mm -hmm. yeah he's waking up uh in the hotel like right after they had made love and it's like in this dream where she had stayed and she accepts his marriage proposal despite him never actually proposing it says and says like she is the heroine of his life and he wakes up from his dream to see his son swing around and asami fail to disable him because she's like trying to knock him out and his son runs up the stairs and is trying to escape her and she's following him and he kicks her down the stairs breaking her neck and he calls the police and ayama's just there dying because and he's trying to figure out if asami is alive or dead because he has a like a, a view of her with her neck broken and it's like broken super super nasty and she She's trying to talk to him uh, like as if her neck is not broken like it literally looks like she's talking completely normally where her entire neck is fucked and like saying like oh you know i was waiting for your call like oh yeah that was i was so excited to see you and he uh is super sad he remembers his answer to her in his dream sequence about her abuse and he's saying like oh it's hard to forget about but someday you'll feel like that life is wonderful and then that's the end of the movie boom very crazy movie i think it's amazing personally it's basically my favorite movie i saw this year it is like i said it it elevated the game this brought takashi Miike up to it basically introduced him to the world there's a lot of controversial opinions when it came out like it'd be a lot half yeah. the people saying it was gross half the people loved it the people like quentin tarantino and eli roth uh, or quentin tarantino says it's one of his favorite films of all time he's gone on record saying that several times as he should <laughs> the they are right, like going back to the the wire cutting scene which is like it's the it's prior to the scene it's like the, the the image you're most familiar with or people are most familiar when you google this movie is asami in the the vinyl apron carrying the piano wire and yeah. and she's cutting his leg and she's so giddy giddy no pun intended as a japanese schoolgirl like literally just going like left to right sawing through it sawing through it which is all right for how much ultra violence and when i mean ultra violence i mean there's violence in movies there's violence in action movies but ultra violence like you're gonna get that extra layer of unsettling gore that's what i mean by ultra violence and like a lot of like in drive right where he beats somebody's head in but you're gonna see like that head like explode under his fist essentially right you're gonna see that extra layer of gore and don't i'm surprised that Maybe they shot it, but maybe it didn't look good when they're cutting through Oyama's foot. Like, I expected to see that foot being cut through, but it's just as bad to delete your imagination. I 
like 100%. when they leave it to the imagination, yeah. though. I feel like we sometimes we show too much in show movies. <laughs> you do too much. You do too much. Like in the movie Misery, like when they cl- like hammer yeah. his, they, they club his ankle. Hobbling. You never th- hobbling. Sorry, hobbling his ankles. You never see the second like hit to the ankle but you felt it and i feel like with this you felt it and that's all that matters you didn't need to see it you needed to feel well it. because you sat there as he's, she goes through the entire thing Ooh. and then boom outside shot from from the living room through the the french doors and she just tosses the foot against the wall <laughs> and you're just like Ooh. Ugh. she does she literally tosses it like she's tossing like an old notebook or like a butcher just like tossing pieces she doesn't need you know yeah sorry we're talking about revenge and basically her taking revenge for basically like all women on men and there is a a genre of japanese movies that involve women being wrong and taking revenge they're called kaiden films uh, which is funny because like this was just sort of that reinvented for the new age she's not a ghost she's the embodiment of female revenge it was queen but it did yeah but it had those like i said had those supernatural elements you know when she was kind of just like hunched over and you could definitely see it because she doesn't feel human like once she like switches to like her real self she's like she's definitely supernatural like she it body parts are heavy and hard to go through like we didn't mention it but she does kill her stepfather Mm -hmm. At some point, she, like, hacks through his throat. Uh, the piano wire, too, right? Yeah. The piano guy, yeah. And she was, like, saying, like, oh, I was never, un- like, I never felt unhappy uh, when I was, like, under your care. And she's, like, and she, like, kill- is killing him. She's, like, going through the piano wire and, like, crossing it through his neck and it's like because i've been unhappy all this time (laughs) like there there couldn't have been a time for me to feel anything else and is like slicing his head off like a bad bitch (laughs) and it just feels like not that it feels right because obviously this is not right but it just feels like so satisfying because you know this man abused her in so many different ways and she's getting back at him for all those years of torture and like trauma that she's never recovered from obviously and it's just very powerful that's why i play up like the serial killer aspect because it's oh she is a serial killer because like that's how serial killers tend to be made right they tend to be basically like i'm not saying nurtured but like almost like anti-nurtured um from yeah. a young abuse yeah, oh, yeah i guess that would be the word <laughs> they're <laughs> anti-nurture hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah sorry <laughs> i'm just gonna make a word <laughs> nature versus anti-nature <laughs> yeah, sorry uh, nurture versus not nurture yeah they're they're basically abused to a point of 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 no return yeah, breaking right where where they're gonna where they're gonna commit heinous acts and feel retribution or, or vindication for it and then just leading i would just love oh man i just would have loved to see like another like five or ten dudes like in her history that she had also you could almost do you could have done a tv series where she just takes revenge on like different people or like more clips of just like of her taking out dudes left and right 
but I really love that like it ended with her talking to him and being like, I was so excited to to like talk to you and like oh da da da, da. Like, like that tiny little voice that she has that's like so calm because she also doesn't like talk very much in her torture she just and she still says everything so softly that it makes it more unsettling like most people are like fueled with rage and will like scream and like she's just like oh this wire cuts through thumbs and meets so easily and she just like talks like so tiny and it just makes it so much scarier because we all know some like meek little shy person that like speaks like a mouse and acts like a mouse but she she's not even a, a wolf in sheep's clothing she's like i don't know a saber-toothed tiger in a mouse costume hey, yeah, yeah the herb talking to him while while she was dying on the floor i was like either like Oh man, she's crazy. I'll wait till the end. <laughs> like that's how that's how I crazy through yeah, and through. Yeah, crazy through through that, or she was just having a flashback. I think he was just imagining that on her because you can't like if your neck is that broken, you're dead immediately. Oh, like there is no dying. You're no, just I mean, dead. She could have been dying. You know, she could have like broken her neck and like was paralyzed from the neck down, and was it's possible. I mean, yeah, it just plays up the creepy factor. But yeah. I think it's imagined just from how calm it was. Like, it, it was just too normal. Oh, this goes back to the whole thing with, with Mika and, like, his unreliable endings. Because for a second, when he has a second flashback, when I think he, uh, Sami's chasing his son, you're like, oh, did he imagine everything? Is he just tripping out? Is he just having a dream that, that she's a serial killer? But, yeah, that could have been uh, more unreliable narrator and he, he just imagining oh no no yeah you're right he probably did imagine it because it's just like he doesn't want to see that she's a killer <laughs> he does he it's more yeah, of him projecting he, what he wants out of her and yeah it's like oh no she's not a killer she's still the submissive little waif wife that i want he also like the only time you fully fully see her face like is in that second like when he's hanging out with her having that dream sequence where you're not sure like is this a dream is this him remembering it what she actually had said you dead on see her face and you never see her face and in that end in that ending scene when she's dead you also dead on see her face and she's talking directly to the camera which i think is really cool because she never gets to talk directly to the camera her face is always turned a little bit there's always some element of like submissiveness and like turning away or be or being able to be any woman and in those moments of like her real insanity i guess and like of real intensity it's her looking dead to the camera and being like this is me oh which i think is cool i also yep. like that in that that same dream sequence i was just talking about like his wife shows up occasionally like his dead wife like shows up and shows his uh her disapproval of Asami and is like don't get with her like everyone in the world is like don't get with her and he's just like haha you're so funny I'm in love with her and it just shows you like how like our ideas of people can blind us so much to who they actually are that ha happens with so many people 
And a lot of times people keep their opinions about other people's significant others for fear that, you know, well, like if I tell Nico that Ashley's, you know, batshit crazy, Nico's never going to want to talk to me again, you know, like, and I don't want to, I want to keep Nico as a friend. So I'm just going to be, I'm just going to nod along to get along and tell Nico, no, Ashley is great. She's not fucking psycho. So I'm not crazy. You're crazy. Yeah, exactly. But like I said, not everybody's going to listen, though. That's everybody. Because, you know, maybe like if I would have gone to Nico and been like, Nico, Ashley's bad so crazy. She's. Why am I the crazy one? Why should Nico be the crazy one? Because I don't want, you know, I want to pick an example that, you know, might not offend anybody. So I'm going to pick you. (laughs) The. You know, like, hey, Nico, Ashley, sort of like sizing up your coffin and like making you sign these insurance papers. Like, maybe it's kind of a little bit weird. And Nico would have been like, no, nah, man, it's cool, man. She just loves me for me, bro. You know, I'm sure you've, you've come across. Isn't she, <laughs> isn't she so cute, though? Like, even if she's crazy. <laughs> I think it's so super crazy that, like, she hangs knives above our bed, which was, like, a real thing that a serial killer and they did. hang knives above your bed, but am I still adorable? Yeah, That's all that matters. Yeah, yeah. Should we move on to fun facts? Yeah. Well, let's go through Ashley's fun facts. Intro the fun fact music. Um, fun facts. Fun facts. <laughs> the facts are fun. Fun, 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 fun. Yeah. When this film was screened at the Rotterdam Film Festival in 2000 and had a record number of walkouts at the Swiss premiere someone passed out and needed emergency room attention yeah I heard about this one which I think the same thing happened with when they premiered Ichi the Killer <laughs> like people had barf bags Takashi Miike movies are too intense for people which is funny because like alright so there have been a lot of discussions where where he's, they say that he has lost his sort of edge because he does look if you're going to make more than a hundred movies and or like a hundred i don't know productions movies and tv like yeah not all of them are going to be horror not all of them are going to be super intense like sometimes you got to make the fun kid film you know which he does um uh, quentin tarantino described it as a true masterpiece if there ever was one in a video discussing his favorite films released in 1992 and 2000 yeah i think i saw the 1992 one where they were going down his his favorite films yeah which was like that's that's saying a lot like, especially in 1992 when quentin tarantino in 1992 i feel like he was at the height of fame yeah. and now he's just like transcended to something else i feel Heavy metal musician and horror movie director Rob Zombie admitted that he found this movie to be the most creepy and unsettling of any horror movie that has ever watched. Rob Zombie, really? All right, buddy. The music video for the first single My Chemical Romance, Honey, This Mirror Isn't Big Enough for the Two of Us, had a very similar storyline to this movie, but with different editing. Oh, and I kind of want to watch that. Interesting. For all you Mike Hem fans. <laughs> MCR fans? I certainly am. I'm going to be seeing really? next year. All right. All right. Nice. Yeah. Is that with when you're carrying the severed foot of Nico like around your neck? So my brother bought the tickets for me, him, and my dad to see the Mike Hem uh, concert. But Nico also really likes My Chemical Romance. So I'm going to see them Shut twice <laughs> so that I can. So Nico and I can go on a trip to Las Vegas and go see them in Vegas. Oh, all right. Yeah. Somebody's partying it up. Okay. Yeah, but that'll be 2022, Ashley. 
<laughs> Audition was shot in approximately th- Oh yeah, I heard about this, which was about one more week than the usual Takashi Miike films at this time. You talking about 3 fucking weeks to make a fucking banger? Mm-hmm. I mean, all right, sometimes I feel like you have to rush something just to get something done. Yeah. Strike while the iron's hot. Hell yeah. 3 weeks? You talking about movies making 3 months or like close to like 6 Oh, oof. Three yeah. weeks. And yeah. He okay. said, bang this one out. All right. Granted, it is a low budget horror movie. Like, I mean, like, this movie must, I have to look it up, the, the, the budget on this one, but I don't think it was a whole lot. All right. Included among the thousand one movies you must see before you die, edited by Steven Schneider. All right. I mean, yeah, I like I, we highly recommend this movie. This movie oh, hits on a different, a bunch of different levels. Maybe you should recommend it for Christmas. It might be on our Christmas list. Christmas movie? I don't know. It's not really during Christmas time. Is Valentine's it? Day and Christmas? I think Valentine's Day. Not so much Christmas. Mm, interesting, interesting. Okay, Audition has been described as an influence on the torture porn. The turn was invented by David Edelstein to describe such films as Saw, The Devil's Rejects, Wolf Creek, that can offer titillating and shocking scenes that push the audience to the margins of depravity to, for them to feel something. Oof. Wow. Are we so callous as a society? Oh, as horror fans that we have to be titillated and shocked to feel something? Yeah, probably. I mean, I'm like that. Just I get tattoos to feel something. Hey, I feel like that. Like I'm all, yeah, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Maybe I feel like I, I need to... Which I'm not a big fan of torture porn. Like hostile. I do not a, like torture porn. There is like some crazy torture porn out there, like the girl next door, which is not great. And like I spit on your grave remakes, which I'm like I'm like, nah, I don't think we need to I don't think we need to touch this again. Yeah, so I feel like I need to watch mo- horror movies to not feel something. Sometimes you watch, if you watch too many horror movies at once or too closely together or just too often, you've seen too much depraved shit and then you get too desensitized to it and you'll see something really messed up and not feel anything and you're like, oh, hold on, I need to take a break. Maybe. <laughs> that happens to me. Like I was watching like horror movies like almost every single day. Like I was watching a movie and I saw what did I see I think actually I saw like audition with Nico and Nico was literally reacting to every little thing he would wince and he he is really affected by everything he loved this movie it's his favorite movie of the movies I've shown him glad glad see that makes it feel that objectively this movie is good and he hates horror movies as contact and I like I had already seen the movie but like it should have still affected me but I had seen so many horror movies I was just like yep this sure is horror. <laughs> the surest horrible. This sure is horrible. <laughs> the um um in early 2010s, uh, Time Out conducted a poll with several authors, directors, actors, and critics who have worked within the horror genre to vote on their top horror films. Audition placed number 18 out of the list of 100. Not bad. Which I mean, like say, so like 1999. What are we talking about? How many? How many years is that? 22 years. Um, mm-hmm. it's gonna be 23 years that that says something um, the audition was originally starred by started by the japanese company omega projects who wanted to make a horror film after the great financial success of their other previous production the ring to create the film the company purchased the rights to murakami's book and hired screenwriter daisuke 
Tenge. Daisuke. Ah, Daisuke. Yes, those names. Uh, and project and the director Mika uh, to a film adaptation. The cast and crew consisted primarily of people Takashi Mika had worked with on previous projects, with the exception of Sheena, who had worked as a model prior to the beginning of, of her film. Which is uh, Asami. Asami. Audition has been read as a feminist or misog- or misogynistic by different people based on various scenes. Like I was going to, yeah, I was going to say, which was basically how I was going to wrap it up, which would be like, Ashley, feminist battle cry or misogynist trash? Definitely can be taken either way. I I like to think it's a feminist battle cry personally because I can see it. I can see how, like I had mentioned earlier, that Asami has taken revenge for every single man who's ever used his like place in power to take advantage of a situation. But you could also see it as like look at all the the ways that like society has perpetuated uh, the patriarchy and made it possible for a man to to have this situation come like come up and oh. Man, he's not that bad of a guy even though he did do all of these bad things he's not so bad like he loves his son and he loves his dead wife and he's not that bad of a guy asami's the bad guy she shouldn't have reacted that way and i mean obviously she shouldn't but i don't know i think it makes way more sense in my opinion for this to be the revenge of revenges well there's two things the one of them is that if he hadn't abused his power yes he would never would have gotten in that situation to begin with but in the dating world everybody's kind of done i'm not giving him the benefit of doubt in that aspect right it was still a creep thing to do but we might have like all done like weird things to get close we had a crush on you know like oh we might have oh i might have heard that this person was working here so i applied to that same job to see if i could get close with them or oh this person's going to lunch during this period so i'll go see them or i'll go hang out with them over there and just maybe i'll run into them right or I know this person works here, right? So I'm going to go shop there. That is so creepy. I've never done that in my life. Never done anything like that. No. You never had a crush on it, on somebody and been like, you never had a crush on the barista at Starbucks and you would go to that Starbucks. No. Really? I'm so sorry. I'm being for real. <laughs> no, none of your crushes. You've done none of that to any of your crushes. Nothing particular nothing that rings true you didn't have a crush on a on a on a, on a on a kid in class and you decided to like oh maybe we can team up and you know handle this volcano project together no nothing no i am a very i guess reserve shy and reserved person and i and this is terrible yeah, and i'm so very sorry but i've just always had people kind of like come up to me <laughs> And like hit on me. I'm so sorry. Oh, oh, for people that can't see me right now, I'm putting my hands up in the air. I'm whoa, so sorry. Whoa. Like obviously, I've had crushes on people, <laughs> but I literally, I always make the joke. If you think I have a crush on you, I definitely don't have a crush on you. Because if I'm like he 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 and like <laughs> I guess flirty or whatever i don't have a crush on you if you think i'm fucking weird i definitely have a crush on you because i'm too so nervous all right other thing all right so going back to oyama if he hadn't abused his power wouldn't gotten his foot cut off if he just wouldn't have gotten into the dating world like a regular person you know you know he would have wouldn't gotten his foot cut off he couldn't have just uh, gotten to a bar like a normal yeah. person <laughs> literally just got to a bar right like it's one of those things like what so he was successful business owner so he felt like he was above it and just manipulating the situation so women can come to him all right come on all right relax also he doesn't tell asami that he has a kid and that 
he's a widower until I don't know think he mentions the widower part. Um, I think Asami finds out when she breaks into his house and finds the picture of them, which she feels some type of way. Like she feels wronged about. It's like just like I thought we had something, which maybe in in, in Asami's twisted mind, like maybe she wanted to own him. Right, she and definitely then as did. Soon as he, she was like, "You can only oh, yeah. love me." And me well, that was the whole thing, right? She well, she wanted to own him, or like she wanted him to only love her. And then as soon as he found out, you'll never forget about your dead wife, and you got a fucking stupid kid that likes dinosaurs. No, it's over, bro. Give me that foot. Uh Takashi Mika wanted to end the film on the on. <laughs> Takashi Miike wanted to end the film at the onset of the torture scene that the film is now famous for. However, one producer told him to to be a man and see it through the end, which is also like a weird thing to say about like a, almost like an anti-misogynistic film or like yeah, 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 or a feminist film to be a man, see it through. The paralyzing drug Asami injects into Ayama's into him is fictional. Takashi Miike said they made it up because the film would have been difficult to finish without contriving such a drug. Oh, but it's believable. Like, I yeah. And last but not least, audition influenced American directors, as stated before, uh, such as Eli Roth. Roth stated that audition influenced him to make his film Hostel 2005, with audition director Tak Takashi Miike even making a cameo as a satisfied customer of the kidnappers who let customers torture their victims. Oh, I think I remember reading about it. Yeah, a yeah, nice little cameo. Mm. What I was going to say was, fun fact. Fun fact. In the book, the dog goes through the same torture as a Yama. So she just doesn't, like, I think in the movie, she beheads the dog or she, like, strangles it. Yeah, she brutalizes the dog. But in, in the book, she cuts off the dog's legs and... Does the same thing, yeah, yeah, with the with the piano wire, which is like, oh, poor dog. The dog didn't do anything. I know the dog is an innocent in this situation. Yeah, poor gang gang. Poor baby. Yeah, yeah. Oh, um. Okay, so Ashley, in your opinion, do you think this movie still holds up? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. If anything, it's more relevant now than ever. <laughs> I know, especially in like this, like I'm a bit get real controversial, especially in this like tinder like dating app age where you kind of meet like tin like these dating apps are kind of like the audition like you're trying to show your best foot forward and hope that you like hook somebody in but you have no idea who's really that person yep and they could be a, a total freaking sociopath and i've actually had plenty of sociopaths reach out to me you know it they have like the crazy eyes where you know they've seen there was shit. a good tiktok uh like maybe a month ago my friend sent it to me this this chick was sorry this 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 girl went on a tinder date and she's showing you all the red flags as the date's going on well, not as the date's going on but as she's telling the story oh it's the japanese girl right? no 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 it's some oh. girl she went on a date with this dude she picks them up because i guess they say they didn't have a or that their car was in the shop um then they'd be like hey you want to go out for dinner it's like yeah sure where we go taco bell and she's like oh okay i guess we can she didn't want to you know she likes taco bell so they went to taco bell the guy orders 137 tacos or something 
something like that. And 137 tacos? It was a ridiculous amount of tacos. And then he's like, oh, I left my wallet. Uh, you mind paying for this? <laughs> and she's like, oh, okay. And I guess she proceeds to pay for it. And then he's like, well, I guess we can go back to my place and eat this. And she goes back home with him. And that's not the weird part. It gets weird is that he lives with his dad. And then he's just like, hey, dinner's ready. And whips out all the Taco Bell. She brings it in. And then she starts to eat dinner with him and and the dad. And the dad doesn't sit down. The dad is standing the entire time eating what's perceived to be an exorbitant amount of tacos. An exorbitant amount of tacos. And then at one point, the dad is like, hey, do you want to see my office? And that's where she's like, thank you very much. I've had a lovely evening. She packs up the, the remaining tacos and she walks out the door. And she's like, I am sure I would have been murdered if I had gone into that man's office. And I'm like, why would you? That's have, the murder office. Why would you have gone to that guy's house to begin with? Like sometimes you're down bad for dick. I guess, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've definitely gone to a house or two. Or first watching this movie and watching this movie now, has your opinion changed on the movie? So I think the first time I watched it, I was very excited to watch it, and I think none of that has changed. But my second time watching it, when I was with Nico, because I had like expectations you know like i knew it was gonna happen so i was like waiting <laughs> to see him freak out so it's not so much has my opinion changed more so like i can confirm its rewatchability watch it with someone else see them freak out that's fair it is obvious that we like this film we highly recommend it and we would watch i was actually trying to watch it again for, for the potty for yes. this episode and ashley what would you rate this Five kitty kitties out of five. Hey, I'm going to give it 10 piano wires. <laughs> <laughs> 10 piano yeah. wires out of 10. Yeah, 10 out of 10 piano wires. And just a reminder, everybody, our rating system is arbitrary and doesn't matter because our opinions don't matter. Hey. It's true. Our <laughs> opinion doesn't matter, but we're going to give it to you anyway. Yeah, but yeah, I highly recommend this movie. I actually don't remember. So I, this, like I said, this was for this podcast. This was the first time I was watching this movie, even though I know that it was a huge deal and that I had to give it its proper due. I had seen a bunch of other of Takashi Mika's films. I actually seen a lot of them, um, but I hadn't watched this one yet. I don't have like that sort of initial opinion years ago as opposed to what I think of it now. I just think that if I'd seen it years ago, I probably wouldn't have hit so close as it does now. I probably would have wouldn't have given it its proper proper respect. That's just me because I was a naive douchebag back then. Be like that. Be like that. And with that, Ashley, I think that kind of wraps us up for this episode. Uh, any closing remarks? Uh, I think we basically said everything we wanted to say about it. That it's an amazing movie, definitely worth the watch. Go grab a, a really strange buddy of yours and give it a little a little click. The click for the flick. The click for the flick. <laughs> and with that, that's us signing off you guys have a wonderful day mm-hmm. <laughs> but you all be merry and have a good fright yeah you guys take care Bye.